Welcome, everyone, to the latest Insider Baseball podcast here on InsiderBaseball.com. Of course, we're on Google, Spotify, Apple Podcasts as well. And subscribe if you're listening to us on one of those services because we're dropping uh, episodes at an irregular rate. So you wanna get, you're going to want to get them, especially in season. Brandon Cameron's with me. I'm Lou Blasi, especially in season, Brandon, because uh, a lot of the stuff is kind of topical and things change, right? On a daily basis, things change, you know, even as we're doing our prep work (laughs) for these shows, uh, you know, we'll prepare for one thing and then the next thing it's a different conversation. So got to stay on top of it. And and, and especially, you know, if you have more than one team, if you have multiple teams, I think it's it's especially important when you have one team. Yeah, you tend to zone in on those players and you, you know what's going on with them. But once you get more than one team, it's a lot to take in. Are you talking about the Kansas City bullpen in particular? Is that that the kind of thing we're talking about? Uh, yeah, exactly. I, I mean, I spend a lot of time thinking about the Kansas City bullpen, and so um, yeah, no, that's uh, things change rather quickly, don't they? The, the things that keep me up at night, right? Uh, we'll get to that. But what we're talking about today is player roles, and one of the things I like about this, we did this on a serious show. We started it yesterday, and we'll do some of this uh, today as we're recording this when we do it. But one of the things is I thought about this a little more, what, what we're doing, Brendan, in your topic and bringing up your list here, is that we're trying to find clues about changes in value and changes in uh, changes in value as we go through fab claims and as we deal with our lineup and try to make some cuts and some waiver claims and things like that. And these changing roles are interesting because it, it didn't occur to me during yesterday's show, but it's interesting because this is kind of the insights of the coaching staff, the guys who see these players every day and the organizations, the guys who see these players every day. It's kind of inside evaluation because if their role is changing, if they're taking on more, uh, often that means that the organization, the coaches are seeing something, right? There's no question about it. I mean, we spend a lot of time breaking down these guys, you know, from our from what, from the information we have with the numbers that we have and, and, and from what we are able to see. But at the end of the day, there is additional information and it's given by decisions that the team makes. You, you know, I said this last week, we were talking about Trevor Larnick with the Twins is for several years now, the Twins have seemed unwilling to really embrace Larnick as an everyday player. That tells me something, mm-hmm. you know, the, and, and, I, and I'm still somewhat of a Larnick fan and think he can be still pretty productive, but it does tell me something when they're not willing to, you know, just hand over the reins to him as an everyday player. Those sorts of things I think should be very important in feeding, you know, uh, y- your decision-making with players. You know, I know, um, Edward Olivares with the Royals is, is a guy who I think a lot of people in the fantasy community have liked, but the team never seems to embrace him. Well, th- that's a decision that should impact, you know, our evaluation of a player. And so, um, I think judging how the teams evaluate these players, the teams who see them on an everyday basis, um, you know, I think those are really important to, to feeding our analysis of a player as well. And your first instinct is to vet the team that's making the decision, because as we know, some organizations are better than others in evaluating talent and bringing talent along. But by the same token, it doesn't matter how good the team is at evaluating talent. If they have a negative view on a player or something that's holding them back from him being on the major league roster or getting every day at bats, 
that's going to affect their decision making and eventually it's going to result in less playing time and with a lot of these players that we're talking about here today their value is very much linked to their playing time so it doesn't really matter whether the team's right or wrong their view on the player is going to limit his playing time if it's a negative view which means his value is limited and that's not going to change again regardless of the quality of the team's decision yeah, I mean, we could love a player, and and in the case of say like Brian De La Cruz, he's a guy I love, but you know his playing time uh, is ultimately going to determine his value. Um, now, again, it's not o- only are we dealing with whether the team likes him or doesn't like him; it's also roster construction, it's who has options, it's you know, it's it's money, it's salaries, it's those sorts of things you're playing with as well. But but that's important for us to know and us to be aware of because it's going to impact the value of the player if it impacts their playing time. All right, you started it. Let's dig in. Brian De La Cruz needs to be starting every day, was your note to me when, we, when you put the prep together for us. Right. Yeah, you know, I mean, th- there was concern over the offseason, and I think it affected his value at one point because he essentially was fighting with Jesus Sanchez for – um, a roster spot. Now they both ended up getting roster spots. The concern was Jesus Sanchez is out of options, meaning he cannot go back down to the minor leagues without having to go through waivers or DFA or something along those mm-hmm. lines. Yep. Um, Brian De La Cruz does have options. They could just option him to AAA, no problem. And oftentimes um, that's a determining factor. Exactly. Now they ended up choosing to, you know, roster both of the guys on, on their 25 man roster. And and that, that is a positive sign for De La Cruz. It says that they do want him up there. They don't want to DFA Jesus Sanchez, but they do want Brian De La Cruz up there. Okay. But you were still dealing with, okay, now you have both of them up there. They're going to split time. It's lefty righty. So is there some sort of platoon here? Um, and there was at the beginning, De La Cruz and, and Sanchez were somewhat splitting, you know, starts. Um, now, Taylor Cruz is just the better player. Uh, he, he is he is a lot that we like in you know from our fantasy perspective and from our analytics perspective. The guy has really good power. He has the ability to you know his quality of contact's really strong. Um, he makes good enough contact. Uh, you know, there's a lot of things we like about Taylor Cruz. Um, the question with him was his playing time, and that impacted his draft value. I, they're starting to move towards him playing every day and not only playing every day, but playing in the middle of the lineup early in the season, he was hitting six, seven. Um, now he is, he's last three games, cleanup hitter. Um, that's a great spot. And he has seven hits in his last three games. Um, I, I think that the tide is starting to turn. Now he does only have one home run. It's early. You know, I, I think the home runs are going to come. His quality of contact is strong. Um, so I think the home runs will come. I don't think he's, you know, he, he he's not right now at this level of his career. I mean, not massive home run hitter, but he, he's going to end up hitting home runs. Um, the good thing is he's he's getting on base. He's uh, hitting for a good average, and and he's securing the playing time. That's the most important thing. He's got the physical capability to hit some runs, some home runs. He's been he has a long minor league history. He's been playing in the pros since he was seventeen years old, and there isn't a full extensive history of him being able to hit home runs but of course he started at 17 years old so all this has to come along but he's got the physical capability to do it and he's a quality hitter and I think the last ingredient for him is regular playing time and at the point where he does gain it and hopefully Miami's at that point where they're ready to just run him out there because he's a borderline hit approach guy his contact level is I mean not borderline but it's it's not great his chase rate 
isn't great. He's not particularly disciplined at the plate, but it's hard to tell really what he is until he gets some regular playing time and can go up with comfort and go up not thinking that he ha- he can't strike out three times or he's going to be out of the lineup for a week. So got to got to be able to settle in. And I think at that point, because it's quality of contact is excellent. He's got the physical capability. It's launch angles, what's going on. And that's a guy to me who is kind of contact centric and he's contact centric because he hasn't established himself in his own mind as a major leaguer. Regular playing time is usually that last ingredient for this type of thing. And you hope that that regular playing time means if he goes in an over 11 funk, that he still keeps playing. That's the key, right? I mean, yep. right now it's easy for them to keep giving him regular playing time when, you know, he had back-to-back games with three hits and, um, and you know, he's, he's producing. You, you, you need him to go through a slump. You need him to go through, you know, a, a down stretch and be able to get out of it. And that, that is still my concern is does he go through a three game stretch where he doesn't get a hit and they, bench him for a day or, you know, then it comes back to a split with Jesus Sanchez or something like that. That still worries me. But right now I think him as the cleanup hitter, um, you know, he's playing against righties and lefties. Um, I, I, I feel pretty good about where things are at, but the, the Marlins are a team that has frustrated me in the past. So I'm not saying that I'm set the rest of the year, but he should be owned. I mean, he should certainly be owned in every format. Um, but you know, you gotta be a little bit on edge with how the Marlins play it. If he gets 400 at bats, what do you think his capabilities are? You know, I think he's capable of hitting for a pretty good batting average. He's been pretty consistent as a good batting average guy in the minors and and in the high minors. Um, and you know, I think he's right now a 20 home run guy. I, I mean, I know he only has one home run and you're right. There are some things that right now don't point to massive home runs, but he, his quality of contact is good. He needs to get that launch angle up a little bit, but he's hitting the ball hard. Yep. So, so I think he's a 20 home run guy with 400 at bats. I think he has the potential in his career to be a 30 home run guy. Ooh. He's, you know, he's got to change some things. He's only 600 at bats. I mean, less than 600 at bats in his career. So I think he has that potential. But, you know, he's got to get an everyday role and he's got to develop a little bit more. I'm looking at uh, we, we were looking for power in the minor league numbers, but now I'm looking for lift in the minor league numbers. And uh, his fly ball rates were really good. So he does hit with lift. So <clears throat> this further convinces me that he's in a situation right now where he feels like he's got to make contact and he's concentrating on contact. Once he feels like I'm a member of the lineup I'm in the major leagues, I'm, I belong here things can relax for him and, and that quality of contact is excellent. That what, That's what suggests he has plenty of power to get in the 20 home run club with enough at bats. You know, in event, as much as I criticized the Marlins, because I, I really did not like the way they approached this offseason, bringing in guys like Yuli Gurriel or Gene Segura, or, you know, they, at one point they brought in Jose Iglesias, although he didn't make the major league roster. Um, th- they do have a lot of good young players. And and in the, in the higher levels of the minor leagues, they've got good young players. Their lineup is going to be pretty good in a year or two. If De La Cruz is still with the team, I think he has the potential to be a, a you know a really good run producer and and on a good team, um, uh, you know I know a lot of people probably aren't thinking that far down the road. You'd have to be in a deep dynasty league, but just kind of thinking that way, I think he has the potential to be a good player. He's still twenty six years old. You're right. He's been in the minors for a long time, long professional career so far, but he's still only twenty six. So lots of development still uh, with De La Cruz, and 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 I think the biggest part of that development, as you're alluding to, is 
just getting the everyday role so he can he can learn, he can develop. Anthony Volpe, we talked about him a little bit yesterday, hit his first home run on Friday, and the question was, is he going to be able to hold on to playing time or even a roster spot when the Yankees get healthy and some of their players that, again, don't have options start to come back on the roster? And uh, he hit the home run on Friday out of the leadoff spot because DJ LeMahieu was out in the lineup that day, had a big day yesterday uh, with three stolen bases, more of what the Yankees decided to keep him for and want him in the lineup for. He showed He's showing a little bit more of that. And is is he going to be challenged when – the roster gets healthy and some players start coming back into the fold. Well, that is my concern. I, I mean, you know, yeah, a couple good games recently. I mean, the stolen bases are really impressive, especially because Volpe's fast, but he doesn't have lightning speed. But man, this is a guy who stole 50 bases last yeah, year. No, I was concerned about actually how much of that would translate because his stolen bases aren't based on speed. And I, I contain, I contend that one of the biggest jumps between the minors and the majors is run defense. And so guys that don't have blazing speed, oftentimes it doesn't translate as well to the major leagues. So far, he's doing fine. Yeah, I mean, obviously he he reads pitchers well. He reads their moves well, and um, he's taking and the advantage. Game has come towards him with the rule changes. The game has come to him a little bit. No question about it. And and the stolen bases are nice. I mean, right now, do do I have concerns about? some of his, you know, hitting numbers and peripherals and such. I do. I mean, well, obviously he's only hitting 186, only has that one home run. Um, and, you know, his his contact has been so-so. He's been swinging and missing a lot, striking out a lot. Um, he, he has not been hitting the ball hard, although that has started to change a little bit over the last few games. He's, he's hit the ball a little harder. Um, I think he's going to have to because he, at the end of the day, Eventually, the Yankees are going to get Josh Donaldson back. I'm not the biggest Josh Donaldson fan, but he is on the roster. They're paying him a lot of money. (laughs) Um, And then they're going to get Harrison Bader back here relatively soon. I believe he's going out on a um, minor league rehab assignment here soon. So they... They're going to have those guys back. You know, does Josh Donaldson come back, move DJ LeMayhew over to second base, and then put Glaber Torres back at short? I mean... There's a lot of things they can do. They still have Aaron Hicks, Isaiah kiner Falefa, um, and and then you know they have Oswald Peraza, the guy that uh, Volpe beat out for the spot for the roster spot, is in AAA and he's he's been playing pretty well in AAA. And and he, Peraza was good for the Yankees last year as a rookie, so they certainly have options if Volpe struggles. Uh, continues to struggle. I, I think, you know, we talked about this yesterday on our Series 6M show, which is th- they didn't they didn't roster Volpe. They didn't, you know, put him on the roster coming out of spring training to, you know, have him play occasionally. I mean, the idea is you right. let him work through these struggles. But at some point, <laughs> the Yankees are in a competition here. Uh, the Yankees certainly are a team that wants to win. And, you know, they've got a team in that division that has uh, started off pretty nicely, if you haven't noticed, um, not to mention other teams in that division that are, are good and contenders. So you, you can't just have a guy who's hitting sub 200 in your lineup on a regular basis. So at some point, you know, you, you, you got to play to win. And I think they're still going to give Volpe a little bit more of a chance. But is it possible if he continues to hit under 200 that he's in AAA, you know, sooner rather than later? Absolutely. 
Yeah, and it's just a matter of the roster filling up, and there are only so many guys with options, Volpe being one of them. So, you know, they they have a full roster if everyone's healthy, and if everyone gets healthy, there's going to be some pressure to do that. Uh, his batting average is only 186, but you talked about quality of contact. His expected batting average, and I'm taking expected batting average, even expected slugging with a little bit of a grain of salt so far until they tweak this a little bit, because I, I, I'll look a little deeper. I like it as a little go-to to figure out what's going on, but I look a little deeper too. But in this case, the quality of contact, 86 exit velocity, 24-degree launch angle, 25-degree launch angle, popped up a lot. That's skewing these numbers early, of course. Um but his expected batting average is actually lower at 167. Well, he hits too many fly balls. Yeah. You know, Volpe is, he has power. He He's not, you know, he's not Vlad Guerrero out there. Um, and, and obviously he has the ability to steal bases, but I don't really feel like his power is ever going to develop good enough to have a 55% fly ball rate. And he's been fifty percent plus since the high since the high A level. You know, yeah, and the that's minus it's fifty percent plus, which is too much for a guy with that speed. And where they're going, he's not going to be a middle of the order hitter. That's not where they want to develop him either. No, more leadoff number two hitter, right? Um, he's almost an ideal number two, if, if you know, again, but not with that fly ball rate. No, and that that makes me wonder: is his batting average? Is he ever going to be? is he ever going to have a good batting average to be honest? And not, not that I'm saying he's going to be sitting at 186. Um, but you know, this could be more of a 250 hitter. Um, he, he's this prospect. You know, you, you know we also discussed the, the, the hype around prospects and there was a lot of hype when he made the team and everybody was all in on Volpe and all of a sudden his draft value went through the roof. Um, without the, you know, expectation that he might struggle or that he might have to develop some things. But I also just wonder, are we overlooking these concerns about batting average? I mean, obviously at this point I have to say he can steal bases. I mean, there's no question about that. And and I think he's going to hit some home runs. I, I don't know. Again, he's an elite home run hitter. Maybe he develops into that. But just that batting average, I wonder if it's, if it's going to be a problem, unless he readjusts readjusts the way he swings but at that 250 batting average that you suggest he might land in which seems reasonable to me if he walks that's going to help but by the same token if he's not showing a ton of power and he's hitting a bunch of fly balls and he's got a 250 batting average they're not going to walk him as much because of his speed that's going to relegate him to the bottom half of the lineup which eventually might affect his speed game yeah no question about it yeah i i think the long-term value on Volpe may have been a little bit skewed with everybody's hype and getting excited. I, I, he can develop. Look, he, he <laughs> 43 at bats in his career. Yeah, We're right. not making a judgment on Volpe's career right now. Um, he can certainly develop. He can certainly, some of these are some of the things that, you know, he can work on at each off season. So it, things can change, but do I right right now? I just don't look at him as one of these prospects that, you know, is, I don't know. Some of these prospects we've seen in recent years that we do get really excited about. Um, and, and, and as of where he is right now, I, I think if that fly ball rate is going to be continuing to sit around 60%, that batting average is going to continue to, to wallow. And, and I, you know, think, look, if you have him in a redraft league, 
you certainly aren't starting him right now. Even with the stolen bases, you can't, you know, you can't be sitting there with a 186 batting average. Um, and you got to be ready to drop him. I know people paid up for him, but if he's sent down or if he continues to hit like this, unless you're in a real deep league, I mean, 12 team league, yeah. Volpe, you know, I don't know. He's taking up a roster of, spot. On top of hitting all those fly balls, he pulls the ball well. Also, that's going to cut into his bad bit. That's gonna, not going to help his batting average at all. He's got to get, he's got to get his, his fly ball rate down and he's got to move the ball around a little bit. And that's probably something that the Yankees will try to talk to him about because again, if he's going to be in the top half of the order and he's not going to be in the middle, so he's going to be at the top or he's going to be in the bottom. He he can't sustain at the top with that kind of pull rate and that kind of fly ball rate and that batting average. And that could be a thing you work on at AAA. That's right. Play him every day. He's got to play every day. The Yankees, no matter, I, I was kind of leery of the decision to start the season with him because having him up here in April just tough. Let him get let him get established down there, and then bring him up at some point. But of course, they ran into some injuries, so they went with Volpe, and it's fine. But if you're going to go with him, I think you either got to commit to him. He's got to play every day, whether he's playing every day up here or he's playing every other every day in AAA. You you can't have him play. You can't run him on this roster up here and playing part time. No, yeah. So he he is going to play every day. It's just whether that is going to be at the major league level or the AAA level. And uh, I mean, you know, again. There's been some encouraging things over the last couple of days or last few days. So, you know, m- maybe things turn around here. Um, but if they don't turn around and, and he's continuing to hit under 200, he's going to end up back at AAA. All right. This is, goes back to what we discussed at the beginning of the program, where sometimes we're hearing through news flow and through role changes, we're hearing what the organization has to think about the player. Von Grissom is a great example of this because we liked Von Grissom coming in. He was on a 15-15 pace last year. He's got a little pop. He's got some speed. Seems like a nice player to own at this point, but it didn't go well for him in the spring, and he ended up uh, he ended up off the roster to start the season. Again, just a situation of he's a guy with options, and that makes you, that makes you um, expendable, if that's the right word, for the roster at this point. He's back right now and has a chance to establish some playing time, however. You know, and, and I do think one thing that's worth noting, this is when you really look into that news flow, is he lost out on the job to Orlando Arcia, who's now hurt, which is why Grissom's back at the major league level. And I think a lot of people were like, oh, man, he lost to Arcia? That's that's concerning. Arcia is actually a pretty decent player, and, and he was good before he got hurt, you know, a few days ago. He, he, Arcia was looking pretty good this season. So I think that is a little bit of the Braves just decided ultimately. Now, you're right. The options certainly played into it big, big time. But I do think the Braves were like, you know, we're comfortable with Arcia. He can be an everyday shortstop for us, and we're comfortable with that. Again, they lost Dansby Swanson last year, so they had an opening at the shortstop position which everybody, you know, heading into the offseason assumed was going to be Grissom's. But Arcia is a nice player, and I do think he's a legitimate everyday major leaguer. So it wasn't that so much, a, I think, a comment on Grissom being bad as it was of he has options and we're okay with, with Arcia. Now now they're in a situation where Arcia is hurt. Um, it doesn't sound like a long-term injury, but, he, you know, he's certainly going to be out at least the 10 days, probably a little bit more. And there's an opportunity for Grissom and, you know, he's got three hits in his first nine at bats. So that's, that's a good start. Um, I, I think the key is when Arcia comes back, do they re-option uh, Grissom who still has options? Uh, do they keep him up on the roster, find another place for him to play? 
Um, those are all the questions that we're going to have to see, but it, it really comes down to can Grissom take advantage of this opportunity and, and can he, here's an opportunity because of an injury. Can he take advantage? I don't, I do think RCA is going to start when he comes back. Yeah. Uh, so it's really about finding another opportunity for Grissom to play. And, and there are opportunities. I mean, the Braves outfield right now has issues. So, you know, there are things they can do to move guys around and, and make it work. But, you know, right now it's it's about, you know, proving that he, he belongs. And I think you hit on it, and this is why I see it's going to start and why they're going to stick with him a little bit because they're a contending ball club. And as much as they may like Von Grissom, they didn't losing Dansby Swanson. They didn't want to go in with depending that heavily on a kid at a key position. So they're going to give him time to develop. They're going to give him room to develop without the pressure load on him. The injury has brought him to the forefront. Go play for a while, kid. Let's see what you can do. Then play him every day in AAA. He's still got some things to go through at AAA. He never got to AAA before he came up to the majors. So he's still got some work he can do in the minors. So I think that's going to be kind of his fate for 2023. If he hits well enough, you know, bangs on the door and another injury pops itself open, uh, pops an open spot for him or some at-bats for him. That's great. I think they're perfectly willing to ride with him on the roster, but I don't think they wanted to load him up with that much responsibility at the beginning of the season as a contender. They're, they don't need to. They don't need to, no. You know, and, and it might have been a shot to his confidence, but, I mean, it's not like, you know, I mean, he's 22 years old. He's 22, you know, yeah. He, he's still got room to develop and, uh, he's played, I mean, he's really dominated the minor leagues at pretty much every level. And even when they, you, you mentioned this was his first stint in AAA as they sent him down at the beginning of the season. And he was great. He was in 366. His, his strikeout rate was way down. Um, so yeah, he was showing. Way, he had all 91 at bats at AA too before he got called up. So, I mean, he had 91 bats, 91 at bats in the high minors before he hit the major league roster. If you're the Braves sitting there in the offseason, you've got to fill a shortstop hole. Love Von Grissom, but I don't want to lean on him that that heavily this year. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, I think some more seasoning for him, but I, I will say he has he has performed well at every level of the minor league. He's never struggled. I mean, his numbers at every level have been very good, um, and I think he has the potential to be a very good major leaguer. Again, not a guy who I think has massive power or massive speed. He doesn't have his dad's speed, um, but 15, he fifteen right. What's that? 15-15. Yeah, yeah. And a good batting average. Yep. I mean, he, he's hit over 300 at almost every level um, and hit 291 in 141 major league at-bats last year. So I think the batting average is legit. I think he's going to hit for a good batting average. And and he has got 15-15. That's, that's really good in fantasy, especially if he, you know, kind of can move around and be that middle infield second yep. and short eligible player. And by the way, he's capable of 15-15 in the old context with the stolen base rules and, and the engagement rules the way they are. Back it up. He could easily steal 20. Mm-hmm. He could hit 17 homers in a given season. Wouldn't shock me. 17, 18, 19, maybe even a 20-homer season as his career goes along. I'm just not sure 2023 is that year, and the Braves being contenders can't lean that heavily on it. That's all. I, I don't think it's any indication at all that they have problems with the kid. I think they just decided, you know, we're a contender. We, it's it's probably a year early for Von Grissom. He'll get a lot of experience this year in the majors, in AAA. He'll be ready to go. He'll be a roster. He'll be a roster steady in 2024. There's no doubt about it. It's just I'm not sure 2023 is the year. And and I do like, yeah, I like Grissom in, in dynasty leagues and yeah. deep keeper leagues. In fact, 
if they do send him back down, which they very well might, he's got the options, make a trade. Try, try to acquire him. If you're in a dynasty league with minor leaguers, I'd try to acquire him because I do think he's got some really nice long-term value. I do think the power can develop to be 20 plus. He's oh, yeah. a big guy. He's six, three, you know, I mean, he can develop. Um, and so I think that can develop, that can come and he might end up being a guy who moves around a little bit in the, uh, in the field to, to, to kind of get more of an eligible, more eligibility. Um, so eventually yeah. a 2020 ceiling is, isn't out of the question. No, I think, I think he's got that with a 300, with a 290, 300 batting average. I mean, that's, that's if he, if he can develop in that, into that player, that's second, third round guy with position qualifications with position mm-hmm. diversity. Excellent. Yeah. Yeah. No question. Not 2023 though. No, no. All right. Um, uh, James Altman has won the job with the Dodgers and he had some competition too. He came out, he's been impressive. He really has. And especially because his, competition has been good <laughs> yeah. um you know he was they, the the dodgers had a bunch of players kind of competing for that final spot in the outfield uh trace thompson jason hayward um even you know chris taylor um and yet uh it, it kind of was especially after gavin lux got hurt it was uh you know outman who won the job ultimately although you know wasn't quite playing every day certainly wasn't playing against lefties at the very beginning of the season now he's become an everyday player who's even playing against lefties he's played well against lefties um and you know he's kind of doing everything he's hitting for power he's he's got a little bit of speed so he's got a couple stolen bases um his batting average has been good i mean the thing is he's got great quality of contact his contact rate worries me uh, low contact rate. He's he's swinging and missing plenty. He's going to strike out a bunch. It is the type of player he is. Um, you'd like to see that contact rate come up a bit, but the quality of contact's fantastic, and I think that's the type of player he is. And and again, it's been very encouraging to see him hit lefties, and I think he's going to continue to hit against lefties. And the bottom line is, we're talking about playing time. He he's got the role right now, even with Jason Hayward and uh, Trace Thompson again. They've done well in their limited opportunities, um, but it is Outman's job right now. Well, this is a situation of the Dodgers telling you what they think of him, having seen having seen him every day, and where his development is. You know, that's ex- exactly what we're talking about. But the indicator numbers are there as well. The quality of contact is just excellent, and he's got some swing and miss in his game. But he takes walks too, so it's kind of palatable. I'm not I'm not all that turned off by his swing and miss either. No, I think, I mean, it's a little bit of who he is. Um, you know, he's, he's going to strike out. He's going to walk a lot and you live with that because he's going to hit home runs. He's going to, he's going to, he, his quality of contact so good that he's going to get on base a lot. Um, because I think that batting average has the potential, even with, you know, a good number of strikeouts of still being pretty decent, you know, he's not going to be a 300 hitter, but being a pretty decent batting average just because he hits the ball so hard. And look, I, I believe that contact rate comes up. I, I think it's going to improve. Right now, it's about 66%. Get it to 70%, our old magic cutoff. <laughs> Get it. I, I, it doesn't need to be 75% right now. He hits the ball well enough, quality of contact wise, um, you know, to, to do what it do, what he needs to do batting average wise. Um, I'd love to see that contact rate just come up a little, but it is early in the season too. I wince more at the pull rate because I think that's, what's leading to the contact rate problems. He's a little bit pull dependent and I'm wondering how, whether that will be eventually exploited by pitching in the majors because pull dependent guys 
have a few more holes, generally speaking. They, they can be made comfortable, uncomfortable, easier than guys who spray the ball around. Dodgers will get to him, though, although they haven't. I mean, he's been in the minor league system for a long time, and he's 26. But maybe they get to him a little bit and calm that down a little bit, and the contact rate comes up, and we get the, we get the result we're looking for. You're cringing at the uh, contact rate a little bit, and I'm cringing at the pull rate a little bit. Sure, yeah, both of them are a bit of concerns. But again, Dodgers are a great organization. And this is another thing you mentioned is you also have to vet the organization. And they have done a phenomenal job of of developing players in recent years. So um, they're seeing the same numbers we are and more. And so they're aware of what, you know, what he needs to do. But at the same time, when he is producing, you don't want to mess with too much. So, yeah, and it's not happening yet, so you don't worry about it too much. In other words, like, like I said, I see his pull right, and I said, well, major league pitches will work with that and make, make him uncomfortable. They haven't yet, so maybe yeah. it's not a problem. Yeah, and I, the bottom line is he's got the job. And if you're in a redraft league uh, and you drafted him as a late-round guy, not sure whether he was going to have the job, he's got the job, and the value is there. And, um, you know, I think the potential for a really nice rookie season is there. Um, so I, he certainly has, I mean, it definitely has value in a redraft league and, uh, you know, you have to feel pretty good about it. I've got him on a few teams where I was a little nervous. He wasn't going to get the job and, um, I'm feeling really good and he's starting every day for every week for me. All right. JD Davis may not have the job, but he's got several applications in with the giants. (laughs) How's this hiring process looking? Oh man, I you know we I really fell in love with JD Davis in the preseason. Um, another guy who's just quality of contact has has been fantastic. He's got extraordinary power. Still only twenty nine. I know we've been talking about JD Davis for several years now, but he's still only twenty nine. Um, you know, still he just crossed that twelve hundred at bat barrier uh, last year. Um, and that power has really taken another turn. Now, what hasn't taken a turn is playing time. And, you know, he needed an everyday role. I think he's starting to get it. Uh, he's playing every day at this point. Um, the, 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 or sorry, the Giants do have some injuries, um, which are probably factoring in. And Jock Peterson recently got injured as well. But I think even with those guys healthy at this point, J.D. Davis has established himself as a guy who they need they need to have there every day. Again, they got a D. This is the thing. Sometimes I look at these National League teams and I'm like, do they realize they have the designated hitter? All right. They haven't figured out how to use it yet. I know. I know J.D. Davis is not a great fielder. I don't care. Play him at D.H. He's the best hitter. He's arguably the best hitter on the team. I mean, honestly, the Giants don't have very good offensive team i like thyro estrada but you know in terms yep. of the power hitter i mean i think jd davis is probably their best hitter and he's performed well so far this year the quality of contact has continued from last year extraordinary i mean just great quality of contact um his he, he's he's another guy who swings and misses a lot he's going to strike out hasn't been terrible this year but he's going to strike out uh, he's also going to walk though but he, he he's got four homers already he's hitting 341 uh, he plays every day. I mean, I really think those home runs could jump off the page. It's not going. It's not like he's going to spoil the Giants' defense either. I mean, he's got. He's got, he can take it bats at DH. You're absolutely right. That's what they should be doing with him. But like, they don't have a great defensive lineup to oh spoil with gosh. JD Davis at this point. So I'm not sure what they're terribly concerned about. I don't know. Gosh, yeah, I don't know what exactly the Giants were thinking. I mean, th- their defense is bad. You said it kindly. Yeah, that defense is pretty bad. So. Um, but even again, 
play him at DH. He's the best hitter on the team. So why wouldn't you just play him at DH? I, I mean, I, I don't, I don't know why. Um, but, uh, I think there's, I think they're starting to get it. I mean, he is, he is playing every day now at this point. Um, you know, some of that again could be somewhat down to injury. You know, Mitch Hanniger has been out all season. Mitch Hanniger's always out all season. Um, and they have, like I said, Jock Peterson recently got injured. They got a couple, it's mostly outfielders, but that does impact their overall roster because they've got guys who can move around. But I think the bottom line is even when those guys start to get healthy, unless, unless something changes here with JD Davis, his quality contacts, just awesome. I know you see him hit the ball and, and it's just fun. And it, it just wants you, it makes you want to keep him in the lineup more. So there's going to be some opportunity now with, with uh, Jock Peterson out and several of the other injuries. He's just going to get some at bats. He's going to hit the ball hard. Hopefully they start to see ways that they can find to use him because he's a sleeper producer at this point. It's just a matter of, it's not about his skill. It's about how many at bats can he possibly accumulate right now? It looks like he's going to grab some early season at bats and this is hot hand, uh, on the hitter side, right? The guy hits the ball hard. He produces when he's got at bats. Right now, it looks like he's got at bats. He should be rostered. He should be. I mean, I think if he is available in your league, absolutely, you should be jumping on him. Um, could there be another point where they they start to mess around with his playing time or something, um, or the the you know number of strikeouts really piles up? He might go through a, a slump at some point. Absolutely. Um, you, you'll have that opportunity to drop him if you feel it's best, but he should not be on the waiver wire as a free agent in any fantasy format right now. All right. Houston's been a little bit unusual this year. It's hard to get a fix on them. The lineup has had some issues and, uh, offensively Chase McCormick looks to be, um, establishing himself with Altuve out in the leadoff position. He had some issues on Friday with vision sat out yesterday. He's going to, uh, sat out yesterday, Saturday, as we tape this. And Sunday is the day we tape this. He's going to sit out as well. No diagnosis yet, but um, a lot of improvement. So let's work on the basis that he's healthy or they figure out what's going on with him in terms of the vision. What's his prognosis going forward, at least for the next few weeks? Yeah, he's done well as the leadoff hitter for Altuve. I mean, when Altuve comes back, he's certainly going to move back into that leadoff spot. Um, but I do think McCormick's done well. And I think the Astros, again, telling us something, they seem to be comfortable. And I get it. This is a guy who walks a lot. Um, you know, his his batting average is fine right now. I don't think long-term he's a big batting average guy. He's got some pop, although it's not, you know, he's not a massive home run guy. But he he definitely walks a lot, gets on base. And I think they're looking for OBP at the top of that lineup. They're getting it with uh, McCormick. And he does have some speed. He's already got four stolen bases. Um, again, not, not massive, massive speed. He's not going to steal a million bases out there, but he, he has some speed. He's got some pop. Um, and, and the key is he's playing every day and he's playing at the top of a really good lineup with good hitters behind him. So uh, opportunity for you in a Roto league to pick up some runs scored. Um, if you're in a points league, I love McCormick right now. Um, I, I think, you know, that there's something to be really encouraged about. And even when Altuve comes back, which we still got some time on that. I mean, he's going to be out a couple months. So even when he comes back, I think McCormick's got a role. I mean, he, he's, he's a, among the better options in that outfield. And I think he certainly won that job over say Jake Myers. 
So I think he's got a role. It just won't be at the top of the lineup. But, you know, maybe they, if he continues to perform pretty well, I think, you know, they'll find ways to get him in a pretty decent spot. They got a lot of good players throughout their lineup, especially when Altuve comes back. All right, let's flip over to the pitching side for a little bit. And Grayson Rodriguez, uh, the result stats, the ERA, the whip don't look great at this point, but the underlying stats are pretty solid in, in two major league starts to this point. And the uh, pitching equivalent to playing time question is, all right, how many, especially with starting pitching, how many innings pitched am I getting, right? Yeah, I would imagine they're going to monitor the innings throughout the season. And, and you know, that could have been one of the decisions about sending them down to start the year. Um, he, he's, he's, they're going to skip a start here and there. It's going to be one of those things that's frustrating. If you're in a redraft league, you've got Grayson Rodriguez and we start to get to the key months. Um, I know there's going to be some frustrating times where they, you know, choose to sit, sit him because they're monitoring his innings. So I think that's the biggest concern with Rodriguez. Yeah. He hasn't been like fantastic in his first couple starts. It's early. He He's, he's got talent. I think he's going to be good. He's going to have some really electric starts this season. Um, he's going to be able to strike guys out. He's going to be able to, you know, have some some long dominant starts. Um, but right now, just a couple starts in, he's 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 developing. You know, he, he's he's going to have his ups and downs. My biggest concern with Rodriguez is just simply, you know, if you were able to pick him up when he was sent down and then he came back up. You know, you're not picking up a guy who is going to be an ace for you, fantasy ace, because mm-hmm. simply because of the innings. And this is the question of context again. Are we working on a redraft league in 2023? Are we working on a short window for you to be able to keep him, a couple of year contract, that type of thing? These are things that you have to take into account as you try to value the player. And, and if you are in a situation like a redraft league or I don't know, maybe I'm not even sure what 2024 looks like or a couple of years that you can only keep them because you have short keeper lists of things like that. You can take advantage of the fact, let everyone else pay up for them, right? Yeah. I mean, that's the thing is I am I know that when he was called back up, um, there were people who overspent fat budget on yeah. him. People this love is, kids. They love kids. They do. And 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 I like Grayson Rodriguez too. I think he's going to be good, but it's just you have to understand what you're buying. And innings-wise, you're not buying the number of innings that's worth. Again, he's not a fantasy ace, and that's simply because he's not going to be able to get enough innings for that. Um, I, I mean, I also don't believe right now he's a fantasy ace on a per-inning basis. But even if you believe he is, He's just not going to get enough innings. What a hundred, maybe 120 innings. Yeah. Uh, If that, yeah. And they're, they're, yeah, if that. Um, And so, I mean, last year he had about 75 innings. By the way, his worst start came against Oakland and you can look at the result stats and we can kind of write them off with uh, the indicator stats underneath. His quality of contact is pretty good. His left on base percentage is only 53%. So he's got burnt by that a little bit. Hasn't given up a homer yet. Swing and strike is good. Chase rate's good. All that looks good. But by the same token, there's learning curves, especially with starting pitchers, especially with young starting pitchers with not a ton of experience, not a lot of innings under their belt. There's learning curve, and that's going to cut into what his value is, what he might be in August after they've rested him for a couple starts and a head-to-head. It's all context-dependent context dependent, but he's going to use up a lot of that with this starts like the one he had against Oakland, because there are going to be several of those, I would think. Yeah, no, no problem. He's still developing and uh, it's hard. It's hard to pitch in the major leagues. (laughs) And so, um, 
He'll have his growing pains. He'll have, I said, again, I think he's going to have some starts that jump off the page that are going to be great. And I mean, he should be starting in the, in the Orioles rotation. That rotation is pretty abysmal. Um, but you know, he's, he's got the ability to be, you know, an important pitcher for them. It's just, they're going to monitor his innings and, um, and he probably doesn't get much more than 115, 120 innings. And, you know, you just have to budget, budget that into his value. So the people who overspent in fab, you know, they're, they're spending on his talent without acknowledging what his usage is going to be. Mm-hmm. And again, that's a, that, especially with starting pitching, that's a huge, especially when you're spending assets together and whether they're draft assets or fab assets or waiver claims at this point, You've got you got to know how many innings you're spending for. It's it's not just a question of what the performance is going to be. It's going to be what is that performance going to be over X amount of innings? Because at a limited amount of innings, it's got a limited amount of value. It's just that's the basics of the game. You're going to get frustrated at some point. I mean, and I have I'm rostering Rodriguez in a couple rosters, but there's going to be a point later in the season where you know they bench him, they send him down to AAA for ten days, you know, and. Like he doesn't even pitch. It's just a roster construction, roster management or something that, or they're, they put him on a phantom IL stint. Uh, they're going to mo- monitor his innings. That's the bottom line. And it's going to come up later in the season and, you know, you, we're just going to have to deal with it. Speaking of getting overly enamored with kids, uh, Brian Bayo is the next Pedro Martinez. Have you heard that? <laughs> Got a lot of Pedro Martinez in him, that kid. <laughs> yeah, here's a kid, and it's it's big market organization. It's Red Sox, and the Red Sox do this with all the kids, especially because uh, Hein Bloom is so dependent on developing a minor league organization here. I'm not even sure Bayo is his actually, but um, Brian Bayo, a good little starter, showed some stuff last year. There were some good indicator stats as well. Uh, there were some bright spots, but I don't know if I'm going to the wall for Brian Bayo at this point. No, and there will be people again who overspend on him. Now, we have to again acknowledge we're recording this on Sunday. Some people might be listening to this after he start makes his season debut on Monday. Um, and so we have Lou and I right now don't know what he's going to do in his <laughs> season debut, but you might if you're listening to this on Tuesday. Um, but as of yeah, overspending on him. Mind one way or the other. What say that again? I don't know if how it's going to o- overly change my mind one way or the other. Well, the thing is, it, it looks like the Red Sox are they going to go to a six man rotation? <laughs> they only have enough starters for like a two man rotation at this point. So I don't know how they're going to go to six. Well, yeah. Chris yeah. Sale, Clu- Kluber are not moving out of that rotation. That's true. Uh, they they're, they seem intent on Whitlock. Being a starter, they committed to him being a starter. Yeah, and Bayo is going to be a starter. Bayo is going to be a starter. Yes, and, and so then you also have Hauk and uh, Pavetta. Yeah, but the bullpen's also been awful. Pavetta is the question mark. Pavetta is the one because he doesn't have. You wouldn't think he'd have great bullpen capability. Hauk is going to go to the bullpen because the bullpen needs him. The bullpen has been awful. Uh, so they're not going to have a problem shifting him over, although they're going to be unhappy about doing it because they would like Tanner Houck to develop as a starter too, but they can use him in the bullpen as a long guy. You know, a Red Sox starter hasn't gotten out in the seventh inning yet this year. Well, and, you know, we talked about monitoring innings with Grayson Rodriguez in a different way. They're going to monitor innings with almost all of these guys. I'd say Pavetta and Kluber are the only ones that 
you know, they, they've been pitching pretty regularly in recent seasons and, and they're probably, but sale, obviously, you know, he, he's hasn't had a full season in a long time. Yep. Um, how is kind of bounced around my, uh, the bullpen and the starting rotation and then both Whitlock and Bayo, I would imagine they're going to monitor both of their innings, um, as young guys and, and Whitlock again, also bounced around. Well, I see Tana Houck as a, I see Tana Houck as a, not quite a heavy reliever, but he's going to be a piggyback type of starter in here. And you're going to see him twice a week and get six, nine outs out of him twice a week. I think that's kind of the plan for him behind one of these starters, as you talked about, because either they're going to pitch themselves out of the ball game or there are going to be players that they have to monitor innings with. So in a redraft league, uh, you know, there's going to be some caution with Bayo. He's coming off an injury and he's still, you know, this is going to be really his first full season in the major leagues. Um, although he did, you know, he did play last year. But uh, so I think they're, you're going to monitor the innings um, long term. I, I, I do like Bayo. Um, I certainly think there's a lot of strikeout potential there. Some strikeout potential. He throws ground balls too, so that you know he's not. He doesn't strike me as a guy who's going to be particularly volatile. No, no, and I think he could be pretty good on a per inning basis in uh, in this season in in twenty twenty three. But I don't. Again, just like we were talking about with Grayson Rodriguez, there's going to be some caution played with his innings, and that might be. You know, maybe they do move out to the bullpen, but still gets an occasional start. They have Cutter Crawford, who still could get an occasional start to just mm-hmm. kind of drag it out a little bit and give these guys a little extra rest between starts every now and then. So whether they go to a five-man rotation or a six-man rotation, um, I still think that with guys like Bayo and Whitlock, um, there's going to be caution paid to them, and, and to a certain degree, sale. Yep. Um, so, you know. Five-man with a piggyback. Cutter Crawford can give you six outs, too, and he can give you more, and and – but those guys, it's going to be complicated because if you're going to get, look to them for six to nine outs, you're only going to be able to run them out twice a week. And you're going to know the situations where you're going to want to have them available for it. So maybe they just alternate Crawford and Tanner Houck a little bit and try to back up some of these starting pitchers who haven't been great so far. But I like Bayo. Yeah. Do, do, do they like him out there in Boston? Yeah. I mean, well, yeah, he's the next coming. And the way the... Uh, the way the starting pitching has started here, everyone's been waiting for him to, to come on. His strikeout ability is there. He throws ground balls. I don't think he's going to be a top half of the rotation starter because he doesn't have elite punch out ability and he's not really a power pitcher. I think he's more of a Derek Lowe, middle of the rotation guy at a ceiling. You know, if you can get him up to the if he can give you that many innings, and it's not going to be this year, he's going to give you that many innings. They're going to bring him in a little bit slowly, as you said. But he's a three. His ceiling is a three guy. You see, you see anything higher than that? I do. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I I think I think he's he's had some good strikeout numbers throughout the minors. You know, got a mid to high nineties fastball. The players talk about him. I'll tell you what. And again, a player has used the actual term. He's got a lot of Pedro in him. I don't know how that, that play was too young to see Pedro pitch, but um, yeah, I'm, I'm not, not going to give him that uh, ceiling quite yet because uh, I don't know who has that ceiling, but, um, but I, I think, I think he can be from a fantasy perspective. I, I, I like the strikeouts. I think the strikeouts are there. He, he, he's, he's kept walks within, you know, reasonable level in the minors. Um, and like you said, he gets ground balls. So I'm, you know, not as concerned about, uh, a lot of home runs. 
Um, I think, yeah, there's a lot I like here with Bay. Uh, is there going to be, you know, growing pains? Sure. Um, there were a bit last year. Um, and so, you know, he's going to have a hiccup every now and then as, as any young pitcher will, but I, I think there's good strikeout potential here. I think he has the potential to, to have a really good ERA. Yeah, no, I like him. Listen to Brandon because I have this anti-Red Sox development bias. <laughs> it goes back to Nomad Garcia actually, because we just talk about him so much here, and they're just so oversold. It just you get tired of it. So I do have a little bit of Red Sox development bias against. So listen to listen to Brandon a little bit more. Did yeah. you see any? Did you see any of Taj Bradley start before we wrap this up? Did you see yeah. against the Red Sox? Yeah. What was your impression? Uh, he's got some growing pains, but his strikeout potential is, is very, very high. I think he's going to strike out a lot of guys when he gets the opportunity. I liked his stuff a lot. I, I liked, um, I liked the cutter and, and the curve and the curve was a little bit shallow. There's, there's some more, there's a lot of low hanging developmental fruit with Taj Bradley. And this is going to sound weird, but my impression walking away from it was I really liked his command at times. He threw some pitches, he hit quadrants, he used all the strike zone, and he threw some really tight pitches and hit his targets a lot. But the control was off. You can He has command sometimes, doesn't always have control. When he missed, he missed pitches by a lot. He's a kid in this organization that I think they're, the building blocks are here, and he's very close, and Tampa's going to bring him along. And I love that he got the taste here. I'm not sure about his contribution for 2023, but I'd love the potential on this kid. Yeah. Um, I mean, man, do they have a lot of young, really talented pitchers on that team? Um, yeah, no, I mean, he'll he'll be back up. I mean, you know, he was sent down. Again, there's a bit of roster management with the way the Rays are dealing with things, but he will be back up this season. That was not his only start. No. Um, and yeah, he, he is, he has a great strikeout potential. Um, he's going to go through some growing pains, like you said, where um, his control is going to be off a little bit and he's got multiple breaking pitches. And that means sometimes he's going to have them. Sometimes he isn't. Uh, and so, but he's, he's got, he's got the ability, no question about it. Yeah, he's got the velo on top, so he, and he can work the top of the strike zone. So he uses the entire zone. He changes eye levels a lot. And his control got a little iffy, and it was late in the start. And it's the first start in the major leagues. The adrenaline's flowing. You know, you, you can't put too much stock in what you saw from that start there. But it was just really interesting for me because I first made notes about the command, about him hitting targets and hitting quadrants and hitting, hitting the black, and he was just there. And then at times the control just wasn't there. And I just think maybe the adrenaline just got to him a little bit. I'm not going to put too much into it, but this pitcher with his stuff and his arsenal in this organization, I just see I he's he's a potential number one starter. He's a strong potential number one starter. I mean, they have like three guys who are number one starters. I know he's like um, um it's like McClanahan 2.0. Actually, I know it's like when they get McClanahan and uh, and Taj Bradley up together. And I mean, remember too, they got Shane Baz who uh, is coming back from Tommy John, who, you know, but prior to the injury, I think had ACE potential as well and still may, um, I mean, you know, they're the, they know how to develop pitchers. Yeah. And there's time for Bradley. He's got work to do in the minors. They don't have to rush him up. I'm glad they gave him a taste. It was a good taste and it was good to get a look at him. A curveball could be a little bit deeper. It's got a good bite though, but it could, it could be a little deeper. I just teach him to throw a second type of curve. 
uh, varying the speeds a little bit more. I mean, there's just, again, there's just a lot of low-hanging developmental fruit that I know Tampa Bay is going to take advantage of, and this kid's going to be something. Next summer, he's going to be something. He just turned 22. Yep. I mean, there's a lot of development here, and um, he has, with the Rays, you always wonder exactly how they're going to play guys because they have so many and they can get a little funky, but he, he's going into the rotation. You know, I mean, there's no questions about where his uh, where he belongs. And so um, he'll be back up this year. He'll get more starts. And uh, yeah, I mean, I think anytime he's up, I mean, unless he's it's a really tough matchup. I have DFS interest in him uh, because I think yep. he has the potential to have a big game anytime he comes up. Let's talk about let's just close out for a couple minutes talking about the Kansas City bullpen situation, because this early in the season, this is what a lot of people are looking at. They're sorting out their uh, dot throwing in the bullpen and seeing if there are some other people. And this is one area of your roster and one area of the free agent pool that you have to stay on top of. I believe you have to stay on top of. So this is something you have to work from week one all the way through the season because things change constantly. Yeah. And I mean, this was one of those ones I think people were concerned about heading into it. Um, you know, I'm a Scott Barlow owner in, in certain teams. And mm-hmm. then when they, you know, brought in a Chapman, you know, there's the concern, obviously, Roldis Chapman with a long history of closing, um, but was bad last year and has dealt with injuries the last couple of years. But I'll tell you what, he's looked great. I mean, Chapman has just looked fantastic and hasn't given up a run in five appearances. He's hitting, you know, his typical 100. 102 mile per hour fastball and um he's looked great whereas barlow's has been a little bit shaky and uh it it, you know it's going to be one of those things where i i don't think barlow is the everyday closer by any means um and and it could get to the point where chapman just takes the job completely well they don't in kansas city is one of those teams they don't want i don't know if they want to establish a closer because they have to pay a closer and and i don't know if they'll, they'll probably just play the hot hand as they go throughout the season because I don't think they want anybody with 20 saves. Yeah. Worth noting Barlow's arbitration eligible. So if he gets 25 saves, his arbitration value moves up. Price goes up. So the manager, you got Chapman on the roster. Why not give him some saves? Just divvy out those saves a little bit. Yeah. No question about it. And, and, and right now you can justify it because Chapman's been fantastic. I, I mean, I'm always worried Chapman's a pretty volatile, you know, sort of guy um so you know there could be a blow up at some point uh but right now he looks as electric as ever he looks healthy uh that fastball is as as good as it's been and uh he's the better pitcher right now than barlow um but at the same time i i don't think barlow is like i still think he's gonna get saves i just you know i don't think he's the everyday closer Maybe you're listening to us on insideofbaseball.com. If you are, keep going. Check out the baseball blog. Check out our fantasy baseball tools. You'll see links at the top of the page there for that. And you can find out how we can help you during the course of the season. Get some ideas of what uh, we're giving to our subscribers on a daily basis to help them win fantasy baseball championships. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, head on over to insideofbaseball.com. Lots of stuff for non-subscribers uh, that uh, some highlights of our player notes that go out to our uh, subscribers every day good analytics articles the the weekly strategy meeting uh you get a taste of that up there too so lots of great information that's useful for you even if you're a non-subscriber and this pod is free so you can go get past episodes of that as well we'll see you next time on the fantastics inside of baseball podcast let's go